This podcast was created as a part of Podcast Lab by India Film Project in association with Anchor by Spotify. Imagine that you like someone. After giving it a lot of thought, you muster up courage to go up to him or her to ask that person out. And voila, you hear a yes, I'd love to. And now you are going well shit i must plan for the first date now you do not know where this first date would lead to a few weeks a few months or a few seasons later if at all but you got to be thoroughly planned come up with something comprehensive yet succinct something which makes your intent clear yet has a air of mystery around it and you must give it your best shot keep your date hooked till the end Now that's what a creator and a showrunner of a new TV show must go through while preparing for their first episode which is called the pilot episode. This is Abhishek your host for Binge Beyond the Box where we analyze, explore and entertain you about the wise house and what I didn't know that's of creative content that we consume regularly. Popular and offbeat TV shows, movies, ads and short films. In this episode of the podcast we will discuss about the pilot episode of one of the most critically acclaimed American drama television series highly rated for all its seasons which created a strong legacy and is spoken about even after 13 14 years of its first season and no we are not talking here about breaking bad let's talk about how it begins first what's so special about the opening credits of this tv show well a lot the show we are going to talk about gives us a lot to process within the first 44 seconds a word of caution there are spoilers ahead but only of the pilot episode of this show it opens with a silhouette of an executive whose office is crumbling around him with an animation of him free falling amidst the glass walled buildings with some iconic american ad campaigns and other images of the society in the 60s reflecting on the buildings around him from zippo lighters it's a gift that never fails to old taylor premium bourbon enjoy the best america has to offer to a whiskey glass where the silhouette figure seems to be submerged in figuratively to a happy family with a husband wife and two kids and with a pretty lady looking over the family from the building beside and with the mystic silhouette figure with his arm around the sofa unperturbed it was a lot to process for one with a keen eye does this describe the life of the central character from this show well might be we then see the name of the show mad men with this 60s uh, kind of urban dictionary equivalent of a phrase which explains the term mad men well mad men was a term which was used to describe the ad men or the ad executives of madison avenue ad manhattan in the late 1950s and the funny part is that this phrase or this pun rather was coined by those ad men themselves narcissistic maybe innovative hell yes 
But who are these men? We get to see Don Draper, the creative director of an ad agency, taking feedback at a bar as to why people smoke a particular brand of cigarette, to opening up about his worries about failing to survive in his career to his girlfriend. It is followed by introduction of nine characters and two subplots of crisis within the first 10 minutes of the episode. While we cannot cover all the characters, let us talk about some of them. Dawn's new secretary, Peggy Olson, who is a naive girl, trying to learn her way in, avoiding lewd comments from her office colleagues on her first day at work itself, and getting some advice on how to go about her work from Miss Halloway, who actually prefers to be called by her first name, Joanne, by the way, who seems to be a very powerful figure in the office. After all, she is a secretary of one of the name part, Roger Sterling, with whom Dawn had a friendly, banterish relationship. While all this is happening on one side, on the other side, Pete Campbell, an account executive who is kind of jealous of Dawn, but secretly aspires to be like him, is getting married soon. All these characters show us quite an arc, especially Dawn, Pete and Peggy, within the first episode itself. Humor and banter are smoothly incorporated in dialogues. Dawn asking Roger, are you here to see me change my shirt? While he pops into Dawn's cabin early in the morning. And Roger with a keen sense of observation gives it back a while later. You missed a button, Dawn. Or when Pete tries to warm up to Dawn with a we good buddy and gets a smug reply from him. Not so soon. I don't want to wake up pregnant tomorrow. Or when Joanne tells Peggy, do not make mistakes in this office and smoothly adds like this one while Paul Kinsey, a member of Dawn's team, passes and looks at Joanne over his shoulders, clearly hinting Joanne and him had a thing at some point of time and maybe Paul is not over her yet. Well, after the character detailing comes the crisis. There are two and both are resolved by the end of the episode. The first one is with Rachel Menken, the daughter of the owner of a Jewish department store. The issue here isn't only about the solution that the ad agency provided to them, offering coupons to housewives, which Don believed Rachel's father would have agreed to. It's the fact that Rachel, being a, being a Jewish woman, shot down a proud bunch of sleek executives with sharp comebacks and sarcasm setting who is the client, therefore the boss, in the room. After all, our father wasn't there. Some Jewish agency had already suggested the discount coupon idea and they had their lowest sales year ever that year. She made it very clear that she had expectations which were way higher from an agency like Sterling Coco. Don is not used to such behavior from a lady. He retorts and shoots out of the room, not establishing such a great rapport. So how is the situation diffused? Well, wait till the end of this podcast to know about that. Quick trivia. I believe that the character of Rachel's father is based on Edwin Goodman, an American Jewish merchant who bought a share and eventually became the co-owner of Bergdorf Goodman, Inc., a luxury department store in Midtown Manhattan established in 1899. 
And I say this because the location and the timeline mentioned for Mencken store matches with the Burger of Goodman uh, Inc. organization. But here is the twist. Edwin Goodman did not have a daughter. He had a son, Andrew, who actually expanded the offerings, brought in innovation and enhanced the reputation of the store between the 1950s and 1970s. Writer and showrunner Matthew Wiener took a creative bent by replacing, I believe, the real-life Andrew with real-life Rachel. Really appreciate him for that. The second crisis is interesting and this is what I find most exciting about Mad. Talking about actual companies, giving a fictional background to resolve their crisis in terms of advertising through Sterling Cooper and then mentioning the actual taglines or the ad campaigns that made those companies famous. Case in point, Lucky Strikes. It is a real company, unlike Menken's, a prominent cigarette brand. And just like five other cigarette brands, they were facing a problem. It was clearly established by 1960 that smoking kills. And no amount of quote-unquote no tar, less nicotine, etc. could save the image of this branch. If you recall what I spoke of, Don has been hung up on this issue from the first scene of this episode. And he's scared that this might be the end of his career. And he turns up in that critical meeting with mm, nothing. And Pete, trying to outsmart him, proposes a theory which essentially meant quote-unquote, men love danger, so come die with us. The outcome of a study by the agency's in-house psychology expert, which Don had dispatched to the bin literally earlier that day. And when the client, his son and their team was almost about to walk out of the door, Don comes up with this idea. If Lucky Strikes cannot make any positive health claims, about cigarettes, neither can their competitors. So, advertising is the perfect tool to stand out of six companies making six identical products. And he comes up with this legendary tagline, it's toasted. Other cigarettes are poisonous, Lucky Strikes is toasted. You know what's intriguing? This was a real campaign of Lucky Strikes in the 1960s. And the impact that Mad Men had on Lucky Strikes is, well, maddening. In 2012, consumption of Lucky Strikes cigarettes stood at 33 billion packets, up from the 23 billion in 2007. Mad Men was first aired in 2007. Coincidence? I don't think so. The crazy thing is, and maybe this was not intended to be, but Lucky Strikes got a sales boost with the same campaign, if you think of it, just through a different method. Embedded advertising in a TV show. 50 years later. Isn't that amazing? But apart from the advertising campaigns, what other cultural references from the 1960s does this episode highlight? Well, quite a few. Take for instance, racism. When Don was talking to the waiter in the first scene, a senior waiter comes to Don to apologize, assuming that the black waiter was bothering him. 
the feeling about Jews, the chat between Roger Sterling and Don, who were scrambling to find a Jew for the Mencken meeting to make them feel comfortable. While they are discussing that, most of the Jewish guys work for the Jewish firm selling Jewish products to Jewish people. The list can go on. And where do I even begin with the instances of sexism? From Peggy getting objectified in the elevator, even before stepping into her office for the first time, to Pete going too far with a lady at his bachelor's party, assuming she would be easy to get along. And the most striking of them all, a woman, Joan, advising Peggy, first through innuendos and then directly, that she should learn to use her assets, work up her charm and build up the influence in the right way to grow in her career. Shows what women thought about themselves too at that point of time. A refreshing deviation was displayed by Rachel Menkendo when she elegantly and quick-wittedly shut the racist and sexist implications thrown towards her, a Jewish woman. And on that note, women owning their way comes another highlight of the 1960s. The pill. To be specific, birth control pills, which came out in March 1960, the exact month and year depicted in the pilot episode of Mad Men. Where Peggy is seen to visit a gynecologist where he recommends her Enovid, an oral contraceptive pill, but he advises her not to be the quote-unquote town pump just to get the $11 of Enovid worth. Can't imagine a doctor speaking to his patient like that. But what do you feel? Is such a behavior commonplace even now? And that brings us to one question. Isn't most of it still relevant in our current times too? Isn't this how office politics works? Aren't there subtle or ugly instances of racism still there? Isn't this how women are viewed, not only by men, but by themselves? And don't we buy products out of aspiration? Menken's idea of a higher pricing without discounting making a brand an aspiration to lure customers, isn't it still very much commonplace? The Apples, the Louis Vuittons, the Bentleys, the Aston Martins, the Rolexes, for instance. And add to that, advertising campaigns being a symbol of alluring happiness. Coca-Cola's campaign has been literally spreading happiness since yawns. And that's how ad campaigns focus on making us feel good about ourselves. Just like Don did, who sold happiness but was empty from the inside. And that brings us to the hook for the audience to watch the second episode. Well, for me, I did not get to know enough about Don yet. Did you? Though nothing much was spoken of it, he had spent some time at the war it seems and has a medal which reminded him of it in his office. But he does not seem to be particularly proud of that. Instead of displaying it proudly and openly, he had it tucked in his drawer. People also assume his secretaries need to charm him in all ways possible 
Yet he makes it clear to Peggy that she needs to be professional at her job and that is it. She doesn't need to do anything beyond her job description. He is addressed by his girlfriend to be the greatest ad man ever who always finds out a way to lure the sheep towards the slaughterhouse. And when he charms Menken on his boss Roger Sterling's insistence to solve the crisis that we spoke of, when they had a fight in the office he started lecturing on how love is non-existent and pointless and it's an emotion used to sell stuff menken actually tells him that she understood that he feels out of place and disconnected too just like her and that he hasn't been loved at all in his life we see the charming don is left clueless he gives an empty look and scrambles to change the topic a smoke getting into his eye moment for don well that is also the episode title by the way oh and while we are on that we get to know almost towards the end of the episode barely the last 2 minutes that he has a family and exactly like the one shown in the opening credits a beautiful wife and two cute kids with no indication whatsoever till then that he is a family man shocker well you might say so but then we had already seen layers of duality on many levels in his character he is poised yet disheveled at times sharp yet gets blurred at times what we may expect of him in the next episode and on his interactions with menken scheduled for the following monday from peggy who did dance to the tunes of a drunk beat out of his own bachelor party I believe that there is enough incentive to look forward to in Madman's second episode. And as it happens with TV shows, they ensure that you keep coming back not only to check on the hook for the previous episode, but also to experience the world that they are trying to depict. To laugh, cry, and then to deny by saying that nah, nothing. It's just smoke getting into my eyes. But to be honest, we actually get invested into the characters. the setting and how the story flows in these kind of tv shows by the way the layer title for this episode smoke gets into my eyes might have been inspired by a song from the 1960s with the same name leaving it here for all of you to vibe they ask me how i knew my true love We want to explore, analyze, and entertain you with the pilot episode of a few other TV shows, 
and that is what we'll do for the next three episodes also now we are giving you three choices let's see if you can guess what we are talking about the first tv show that we'll be talking about after this episode that is for the second episode has a charming central character like don has a powerful and appealing secretary as joan halloway has a intern like peggy has a pete who is jealous of the central character but secretly admires him too but it is not a cheap rip off of mad men it's rather a legal drama drawing parallels between shows is so much fun anyway the second one is also a legal drama but it revolves around not a man but a specially abled realistic superhero if i may call him and the third one is not legal at all it's a illegal drama or a heist you may say where laws are broken to bring out something or rather someone more valuable than money here's a little game for you if possible guess the names of all three shows and let us know over social media or leave a message to the anchor app as to which one you want to hear about first we may shuffle these three ideas like we can put the second or the third idea if you can actually identify the tv show and let us know then we might take it as a second episode where can you do this you can just check out our podcast description and you get all the links and you can connect with us anywhere you want to on the point of being connected with us to know more about movies tv shows short films and ad films or any other kind of creative magic and to reach out to us please contact us either through the anchor app or the, the social media handles that we have we have all the details in our podcast description however remember that our full content will drop on this podcast first and then it will go to other social media forums about the content of these episodes i mean